Startle us, O God, with the depth of your grace, your love, your hope, your challenge. Help us to find life in your holy word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This fall I've been preaching a series of sermons on the regular people who meet Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. This is the last Sunday in that series, and I thought I'd remind you of some of the stories we've read. Earlier this fall, we met a a dishonest manager. His complicated financial dealings showed us that God understands the complexity of our own moral decisions. Most Bible stories are not simple tales about good and evil. We met a rich fool who was storing up his treasure in barns and counting his money at night. His story might have just seemed like a critique about money, but he got the rest of us thinking about a deeper question. What does it mean to be rich toward God? We met a poor man named Lazarus and a rich neighbor he knew on earth. They met different fates in the afterlife to remind us to do the right things on earth while we have the time. We read a story about the majesty of the Jerusalem temple and a warning spoken there by Jesus. Within a generation of Jesus' life, that temple was destroyed. It is a reminder that our passion should be focused on things that will matter and last. We met a Pharisee and a tax collector. They showed us that our crowded lives can keep us from God in complicated ways. Sometimes our shame about bad behavior keeps us from God. Other times, pride about good behavior has the same result. But all of us should remember that God wants to help us and hopes that we will pray. We read a challenging passage where the disciples who had heard all of these different stories from Jesus saw that faith is hard. And so they pleaded with Jesus, increase our faith. And Jesus smiled and replied to them, but a little faith is all that you need. And you've got what you need. In reading these stories, some themes cropped up along the way. According to Luke, Jesus is not a moral simpleton. He understands the nuances of life. He doesn't think money itself has to be bad, but he is deeply concerned with whether we use money for good or for ill, and he's deeply critical of greed. Jesus cares about the things that we do. Works do matter. But not because we can earn God's love. God loves us already. God wants us to live lives of substance and purpose, not just dedicated to accumulating things 
that will be meaningless when you're dead. And finally, Jesus wants us to remember that we don't have forever. The real destination of faith is to return home to God. But don't waste the time that you've got on earth. Focus on things that matter, on things that last. So this week is the last sermon in the series. We are near the end of Luke's series of teaching stories about Jesus. When I think about this last story I'm going to tell you, I think about it kind of like the ninth inning in a baseball game. We've met a variety of characters through this long series of teaching stories in Luke's Gospel, characters who show us the nuances of faith. These characters throw us curveballs and off-speed pitches and build a strategy over the course of the game about the meaning of the Gospel. But now it's the ninth inning. The ninth inning of Jesus' teaching, and in this inning we meet Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is like the closer in a baseball game. There is no more guessing about curveballs or off-speed pitches in this story. This story is about a 96-mile-an-hour fastball, high and inside. And like all good baseball games, this story is supposed to be fun. So the story of Zacchaeus is supposed to be clear, and it's lively and animated, and it moves quickly. Everything about it is exaggerated. Deb did a great job reading to us this story the first time. I'm going to read a little bit of it again with some intentional focus on the exaggerated words that appear in this story. Jesus entered Jericho. Jericho was a huge city, and he was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Chief meaning he had many other people collecting money for him. A tax collector, which is to say he was a thief and a traitor. And the story says he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree. Can you imagine this short, rich, old thief climbing up a giant tree like a child? He does it, the story says, to see Jesus, because Jesus was going to pass that way. Here's what I see when I read about Zacchaeus. This is a man who has an abundant life. He may not have made all the right decisions, but he has never been afraid to get busy living. He is rich, he is eager, and he is bold. He has pushed his way through life like he pushes his way through that crowd and climbs up that tree. Nothing will stop him from seeing Jesus. That is what he has set out to do today. Which is curious... Because as the chief collector of taxes in Jericho, he had to assume that Jesus, the great rabbi, would have some choice words about his life choices. But he goes anyway. He's got to see this Jesus who is passing through town. And why? My hunch is that there is some kind of burning question 
inside of Zacchaeus. Something is eating at him. Something that is strong enough to send him pushing his way through the crowd and climbing up that sycamore tree like a child. So curious is he. So he's bold and unafraid of some things. But he must have had some real fears. Some real fears about what Jesus might say to him and what he might say or do in response. Maybe Zacchaeus was wondering about things many of us wonder about. Can I change? Am I really stuck with the mistakes I have made? Will people forgive me? Can God still love me? It is significant that Zacchaeus climbs up that tree. Because not only can he see and hear Jesus from there, but also he can keep Jesus at a distance. He can keep his questions at a distance. He's safe up there, safe from being noticed if he doesn't want to be noticed, safe from those questions that have been haunting him. So it is significant also that it is Jesus who looks up and finds Zacchaeus. And the first thing he does is invite Zacchaeus down from the safety of that tree. Stop running, Zacchaeus. Stop climbing. It's time for a talk. I'm coming to your house today. So they talk. Zacchaeus is met face to face by the exact person he thought he wanted to see, and now he's confronted with the life that he's been living. Zacchaeus' response is just as much of a fastball down the middle as everything else in this story. He knows what he has to do, and he does it. He knows that the one thing that has been making him a pariah in his community and also a disappointment to himself is something that he can identify. So he makes a change. Not everyone's sin is greed, but for Zacchaeus, that's the thing. And so the story says Zacchaeus stood there and he said to the Lord, Look, half my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Zacchaeus does what for him is the right thing. Wait. At this point in the story, we have to look very carefully at the way this story is built, or you may misunderstand the point. Because Zacchaeus does not do the right thing so that he can get right with Jesus. He does not do the right thing so he can get right with Jesus because he's had God's love all along. God's love was there first. Before Zacchaeus did any, anything and not dependent upon it. 
While Zacchaeus is still hiding up in that tree, it is Jesus who comes looking for him. Jesus calls him down from the tree. Jesus insists on dinner at his house. Jesus receives what he has to offer and blesses him. Not because Jesus needs good behavior from Zacchaeus, but because Jesus loves him. The way he loves every one of us. He wants him to be whole. So he goes to his house. He tells him he's accepted. Jesus saves his lonely, isolated life, and Zacchaeus offers his gifts not to prove his goodness to Jesus, but because he is grateful. Grateful to be loved. Grateful to find out that his life can show love to somebody else. Long ago, John Calvin made an interesting observation about this story. As a tax collector, he said, Zacchaeus had been a predator of his own neighbors, a wolf. But in this story, he changes from a wolf not only to a sheep, but to a shepherd. The change he makes is real, not just for himself, but for every relationship in his life. He goes from being a pariah in his community to being a mentor. Think about the kind of people you consider mentors. Servant leaders, humble givers, people who have gained wisdom from their experience. They haven't lived perfect lives, but they know how to make a change when it's needed, and they know how to talk about their mistakes. And they know they've been blessed. Real leaders always find a way to help somebody else. That's why people follow them. They are shepherds. This is who Zacchaeus becomes. Not long ago, I read a little story I'd like to tell you as we draw this sermon series to a close. It's about helping people. It's about an unfortunate thing that happened in a little village in Italy in the 8th century. It's told by a sociologist named Ivan Ilyich. In the little village, whenever a stranger knocked on a door, the stranger would be welcomed and given a place to stay and food to eat. In the 8th century, a monastery was built on the hill overlooking the village. And since it was a cloistered community and they did not allow guests to stay with them, they built a little building on the back of the monastery for the stranger. One of the people from the village learned about it and spread the word throughout the village. Afterwards, when the stranger would stop at someone's door, the citizens of the village would send the stranger to the monastery to stay in the room behind the monastery. That was the first hostel. And it was when the community gave away its power to care for one another. It was when the community gave away its power 
to care for one another. Today is Commitment Sunday. And that is not simply a reminder to turn in your pledge. It is a reminder that we are people who make commitments to care for one another. Zacchaeus does exactly that in the story we read. He makes a decision to stop exploiting his neighbors and to start caring for them. Here at Knox, we are not simply trying to raise money for a budget. What a small and insignificant goal that would be. Neither are we here to sustain an institution so that the church will do our caring for us. And we are not naive. We do not expect anyone to be as virtuous as Jesus himself and to devote every breath of their whole being to caring for others. This is an impossible standard to meet. We are human. Instead, what I do think the church is really trying to do is to raise up shepherds like Zacchaeus. People who know their flaws and who know their gifts and are willing to take action and make the world better. We are looking for people who are willing to fight a crowd and climb a tree just to get a look at Jesus because they know that he will show them the way. Jesus. The one who told a story about the grace allowed to a dishonest manager. The one who told a story about a prideful Pharisee who went to God in prayer. The one who ate at the same table with a tax collector named Zacchaeus. Because Jesus can find the good in every one of us. We have what we need. And we have enough to share. So we need not prowl through the world like wolves. Thanks to Jesus, we can walk through the fields of life like shepherds. Amen.